Hello and welcome to the Hairdryer Treatment Podcast. We're back on track with our normal schedule today and we're ready to dive into some of the biggest news stories gripping the world of football right now. I'm your host and resident, Jordy Kuhn, and today I'm joined by Chelsea and Rangers fan, Luke. Chelsea. <laughs> Liverpool fan, Andy. Hello. And party Thistle supporter, Steve. Hello. It's a four-man pod. It feels like it's been a while, lads. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, the fan yeah, nice to be back. Damn those personal live things. Oh, I, I know, know, I know, I know. Bloody Christmas and that. How are you guys doing all right? Ah, spot all on, good. spot on. Mm. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Things, all, things good. all good over there on the Isle of Man? Yeah, it's pretty good actually so far, yeah. Yeah, we, we, actually me and Steve uh, just uh, just back from having lunch in town actually, it was pretty nice. Yeah, yeah it's good. Yeah, no no nice. real hassles. Um, yeah, so it's all right, yeah. Must be nice. So we're, we're, still, we're still kind of COVID-free here, so we still get to go out and do what we want without masks and distancing and all the rest of it. <sighs> well, this is the thing. It's lovely. I'm a bit jealous. Just I'm jealous. Can I come and like stay in one of your guys' spare rooms? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want. If you want. You have to self-isolate for 14 days when you get here. Actually, I think that's uh, fine. It's, it's a risk worth taking. Steve, I think the borders are closed here, aren't they? You have to either have a job or a place to stay or both in order to come and visit the Isle of Man at the moment. So that's how they managed to keep it out. Does podcast host count as an official job title? I think so. I think, I think that's reasonable. Actually, yeah. go, you're in, you're in, you're in. Happy days, happy days. I'll be over next week. Anyway, <laughs> you best chat about some football. Um, we're going to start uh, with Manchester United who... Last well, who this week suffered a second straight defeat in the Champions League as they fell 3 2 to Red Bull Leipzig. Uh, United did fall into a 3 0 hole in the game, but fought back late on um, to make it 3 2, obviously. But it was a bit too little, too late by that point. Uh, that result means that they crash out of the Champions League and will drop into the Europa League. Um, and it's also brought about some serious criticism of Oligan Solskjaer, with many claiming he's once again on his last legs. Luke. Does Ole Gunnar Solskjaer deserve to keep his job as a Manchester United manager? It, here's the big problem, and, and I read an article today in The Guardian about it, and actually, I, I kind of agree with that, actually. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to really pay the price for what is really a systemic problem at Manchester United. It's a lack of strategy, a lack of long-term direction, and, and, and honestly, if you, if you keep um, sacking and burning everything, you're going to be in this situation and you, you, sometimes you need to stay the course. I have a lot of sympathy for Solskjaer. Um, I really do, even though I don't like Man United very much, but I think he's in the ultimate impossible situation. If I was him, I would sell De Gea and Pogba in January without a doubt and just start building for next season. Build around Fernandez and build around the other good guys. And, and that's that. And honestly, they need to take a look at a good long look at themselves. Their strategy is all over the place. They haven't got a long-term plan and it's obvious to all of us. Yeah, I mean, Steve, would you go along with what Luke's saying there? Is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer maybe a bit of a passenger in all of this? Uh, absolutely. I think I said this in a previous podcast. Um, United's problems come from the top down. Um, when you build a, co- a club with the sole intention of making as much money as you can from it, rather than building it to be a successful trophy-winning uh, entity. You know, you, you just, you change the mentality at the club from the top down, right? And if you were to ask Woodward what his remit is, is his remit to create a team that wins the Champions League? Or is his remit to create a team 
that sells enough replica shirts to pay off the bank debt that the club has, you know what his answer is going to be. Um, there's been a real criminal lack of investment in, in talent in the team. Um, there's there's a, a real you can see there's a lack of coaching as well, which is causing problems. Um, and Solskjaer's come in. He probably was not the right guy in the first place. What you really needed was an experienced manager that could handle egos, deal with the likes of Pogba, get the best out of them. Um, and he, you know, when, when Pogba came in and and Solskjaer saw, he saw like ten games of the best of Pogba. But the only reason for that was he basically let Pogba do what he wanted. He said to Pogba, what, what do you want to do that will get the best out of you? And that's fine when Pogba was the focal point of the team. Once Fernandez came in and became the focal point of the team, Pogba falls away. You start seeing the egos and you start seeing that Solskjaer doesn't know how to handle them. Um, he's obviously also been given a remit to say build a younger team. Now, the cynic in me says build a younger team because it's easier to sell younger players. Um, and that, that, that's, that, that's as simple as that. I watched the, the highlights of the United game um, and I just, I think we said in another podcast to get here, um, he'd had a good season, he hadn't been making a lot of mistakes and then obviously you get one of the biggest games of the season where they have to go out and win and he makes a howler. You know, it, it's a point at which you know he just can't be relied upon anymore. So I think um, De Gea, Pogba, there's a few at the back need to go as well. I think they've already agreed deals for Smalling and Young and that, that kind of players. They're all gone. Mm. Mm. Um, but I think he needs... Harry Maguire is not a Champions League quality centre-back. Mm. And they've spunked, what, £85 million on him? Um, so I think I think some questions need to be asked there about the, the recruitment more than anything else and whether or not Solskjaer has any involvement in it. Yeah, I mean, Andy, is Solskjaer, um, is he completely free of criticism in this? Is it is it an entirely systemic problem? Or is he, well, does he deserve to be given just as much criticism as the likes of Ed Woodward and things like that? Because at the end of the day, he is the one who controls what happens on the pitch. Mm-hmm. I do think he is smallly to blame for some things. I do think sometimes in games he can sometimes be sort of uh, out-tactic by other managers. But at the same time, I do think that there is, um, basically what Stephen Luke was saying, I do think it's a problem higher up because there's no, obviously you see Mourinho, Van Gaal, Moyes and um, Anstosha all, all fail manually. I don't think it's down to them. I think some of it is, a lot of it is down to the ball. I just don't think they're investing well. I mean, Maguire is just as, as fault for that goal as the hair was the other day. I mean, I don't know what he was doing in that goal as well. But they are only five points behind uh, the top of the table with a game in hand. So I do think he needs definitely at least see how it goes because even though they've sort of been quietly going about, about their business in the Premier League-wise, and I think they've, they've sort of, they are, even though they probably won't win the league, they are only five points behind I do th- with, the game ha- with the game in hand. I do think they deserve a chance to see how, how that goes. Steve? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of disagree with that. I think United's league position creates a false confidence. Um, they are where they are, but they're not there on merit. Um, you know, we, you've seen them when they play the big teams uh, in the big games and they've been taken apart. You go back to that game when they lost to Spurs and it was like Son and Kane were having a field day because there's no, there doesn't seem to be any urgency about United. You, you, I mean, there's no doubt in the level of quality in that team, but there's no urgency amongst the players who are there. Mm. There's no desire. Um, maybe you know, maybe like some Mason Greenwood and Bruno Fernandez do show that, and it shows through that they look the best players in the team. But you look mm. around the rest of the midfield, and it's just everybody going through the motions. There's mm-hmm. nobody kind of you know absolutely busting a gut, absolutely killing themselves to get back for those balls, to get those tackles in. It's just 
you need if you're going to be a top team, quality only gets you so far. You need to have drive. You need to have you know desire to win, and I think that's lacking at United. Yeah, I mean, Luke, would you go along with what Steve's saying there? I mean, um, in terms of the big teams argument, I mean, they did lose to Arsenal, um, but then they drew with Chelsea, I, th- I believe. They beat Everton, who have um, were quite hot at the start of the season. Um, hmm. what, what do you think on that? See, this is the thing. that They've got a lot of good players, Um we obviously focus on the likes of Fernandez, but there's a lot of good players throughout that squad. But it, the bigger picture, I think, is that it looks to me like the coaching's all over the place. I mean, you only need to look at the likes of De Gea, how poor his form has been and stuff like that, to see that there is a bigger picture problem there. And an inconsistency is a symptom of that, uh, you know, where, where you have big problems. They On the day, they can perform, but but I don't see that consistency and, and I think that, you know, is a pointer of bigger issues there. And probably it's cancers in the dressing room and it's possibly a lack of respect for Solskjaer as the coach, um, you know, things like that. So I, I think that the overall combining factor, I suppose, is that it just means that, you know, if you're a United, United fan, you're disappointed a lot of the time, you know, simple as that. Yeah, I mean, Andy, we've touched on it a little bit with outgoings especially, but... Um, are Manchester United's problems solvable in the transfer window? The upcoming transfer window. Yeah, I think they can definitely... I think what they do have... It feels like a bit like as a few years ago where they they have the history and they, I think they still have the pulling power because they are probably if the, the, the most biggest, if not one of the biggest clubs in the whole world. I, I think they've still got the attraction of being Manchester United for all of these success in the first. And I think they still have that pulling power of, of getting these big names because of, of who the club is and how, how big the club is uh, yeah. marketably. So I do think, uh, obviously, I think, obviously, we saw Bruno Fernandes came in, one of the hottest prospects in Europe. He chose Man U because, I imagine, because of that history that they've got. So I do think um, they can solve, they can buy players. Um, I do think... Uh, they, they they have every capability of getting the players they need, uh, but again, if they're spending eighty million on Harry Maguire, I'm not sure I trust that them too much to buy the right players. Because mm-hmm. uh, we've mm-hmm. seen loads of players come in with loads of reputation, like Di Maria, Falcao, um, even look back at even Bastian Schweinsteiger, even though he was old at the time. You look at all these players they bring in who come in with a lot of hype, a lot of um, or even Sanchez for that matter as well. All these players that come in mm-hmm. with loads of hype, everyone's saying, oh. This is going to be the players going to bring them back to the good times, and all of them, all of them fail. So I think there is something deep down wrong with Manchester United. I don't think it's down to management. I think it's down. Uh, I don't think. I don't think it's down to Solskjaer. I think it's down to the board, like Ed Woodward and the Glazers. I think they are they are to blame for Manchester United's downfall. And even look back at uh, when Moyes was in charge. There's so many players he couldn't get. Even Mourinho couldn't get a good centre-back. He, he complained about not getting a centre-back. I remember Moyes tried to get people like Fabregas, Tony Cruz, all these players that he tried to get. And obviously, in the end, it resulted in him, in him desperately buying Fellaini on, on deadline day. So I do mm. think there is a problem with, with, with the boardroom, I think, more than the coaching staff. Definitely. Definitely. Steve. If there was another coach to come in, do you think there's a coach who could? Um, do you think there's a coach in the world um, who could come in and take that job and do well with that job, given the circumstances he's got now? Or are you just going to see the same thing time and time again with any coach that comes in? Um, there's probably only one coach right now who'd actually even consider that vacancy, uh, and the rest of them would look at it and see it for the train wreck that it is from the top down. 
Really? Neil Lennon? Really? <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. I don't, I don't think even Lennon's that daft. Oh, wait. No, yes, he is. He took Bolton Sorry. on. <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, Pochettino's about the only person that, uh, that can take that job on. Um, he's only one with the level of experience of the Premier League, the level of experience in dealing with the egos that come with the Premier League. Um, but I don't think Pochettino will take on that job unless he gets assurances um, that he will have you know, X amount to spend and yet we get certain players in. Uh, and if, if United's board can't promise that, and right now, there's no way that they can because you know United are on a steady fall from grace. Um, mm. their, their reputation is slowly but surely falling away. You know, players are going to other teams, smaller teams historically, um, that yeah. are just much more successful and better run. Um, mm. The fact they got Fernandez surprised me because I thought he would have gone to one of the, the, the top teams in Europe. Um, yeah. But they just... Uh, United... United are a mess. Um, Pochettino is about the only person who can save them, and I don't think he would take that job. I agree with you there, Steve. I do agree with that. Andy, you had plenty to say on that, mate. Um, showing us uh, pictures of a few different managers. What, what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, I think, um, Steve, completely right. I do think um, it should be Pochettino. Um, I do think that he is. The only, play, the only person I can think of that could realistically go to Man U, I don't think there's many of the managers that are out there. I mean, Julian Nagelsmann's one of the top managers in Europe, but I don't think he'll want to drop down to a league from Champions League football. Um, I'd love to see Bob Bradley take over. That would be quite funny. Um, but I think overall, I think Poch Bob is Bradley. the man I they need to get. I think they, they need to get Poch because he's the only manager I can think of that is top quality that is out there. I can't think of any other managers out there that are available that um, first, I first of all would go to Man U, but also that are attainable to get. So I do think, I mean, we, we've been saying it for a year now, as soon as Poch gets sacked, I think we all thought, oh, he should be going somewhere else big. And I think, I think Man U dash, dash, definitely should be the man that they go for. Uh, just on Nagelsmann there, I says, why would Nagelsmann leave Red Bull? He's just exactly. knocked United out of the Champions League. He's got a young squad there. The only reason he lost Timo Werner was because Werner had a release clause in his contract. Mm. You know, the team I, don't, I don't think Andy disagrees with you on that. I don't think he disagrees with you at all on that. Well, that, that one of the point. things with Leipzig got... is Leipzig are properly organised. They are basically the, 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 the guys behind them, the, the Red Bull team behind them. They're not just, they look at it and say, yeah, the Red Bull brand is great here. Let's throw money at it. But they also say to Nagelsmann, if this is what you want, this is what you can have. This is what mm. you need to make that team better. This is what you can have. Right? They're not setting limits and restrictions on Nagelsmann um, the way that Woodward sets on Solskjaer. And on that mm. basis, you're not going to get a player out of a good job where he's winning consistently to come to a team like United who are you know, an absolute mess. Yeah, I think you're preaching to the choir on that one, Steve. Luke, um, it seems pretty obvious that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not one of the world's top managers. Mauricio yes. Pochettino is. Why haven't they already made that switch? I couldn't tell you actually, and, and ironically, I was going to I was going to throw one other name into the ring, uh, Bielsa. I bet if Man United come calling, he would he would uh, jump. I bet you he would, even though he's got a project going at Leeds United, he would not come down that as a bit of a challenge. Uh, he's a guy that would would do it actually. You think? However, however, I don't think Pochettino wants the job as it currently stands because I think it's a poison chalice right now, and I think he recognises that the same as everyone else does. I personally think that the only reason why Mauricio Pochettino 
is not the Manchester United manager right now is because he doesn't want to be. It's, it's the only explanation for why they mm-hmm. haven't made that switch already, in my opinion. Absolutely. And Absolutely. It, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Man U are falling into the same issues now as the England national team. I think the board want a yes man, and I do think. Uh, this is, I think this is why Solskjaer has not been let go yet. I think they want someone who. All, I think the owners, they're. I think they're comfortable. They're happy with just finishing fourth and earning enough money to get by. I don't think they care about at, at the moment. I don't think they care about going for anything more than top four and and profit. So I do think they want someone who's not going to challenge them in terms of the transfer market. So I think that's probably why Mourinho was sacked along with bad form. I do think that's why Oliver Solskjaer is still in the job because I don't think. He's there. He's gonna be there, saying, "Why can't I buy this player? Why can't I buy that player?" I do think. Um, I think that could be why. Steve, I'll give you one good reason why Pochettino is not Man United manager. He doesn't want to be. He wants to be the Real Madrid manager. And right now, Zidane is. He's good. He's bad. He's good. He's bad. You know, his his team is not challenging for the title the way that Madrid demand. Um, he doesn't have the Galacticos he used to have. You know, your Ronaldo's gone. Bale's gone. And Overrated. players that are replacing them, the players that are replacing them are not the same quality. Mm-hmm. Madrid are in that same kind of like slight slide that United are in, but the difference being to fix that problem, you, Madrid will throw more money at it than anyone you can imagine. And if Pochettino comes in mm-hmm. and says, "I'll take this job if you give me these three players, and one of them's Pogba," you get those three players, and he'll take that job. I think Zidane, um, from hearing some interviews with him. He might be looking at a way, looking at getting himself out of Madrid, even if he does win some stuff, win stuff this season. I think he's um, the, the pressure of managing Madrid to yeah. him uh, is is too much. So he kind of he'll come in, he'll, he'll do it the job for eighteen months to two years, and then he'll step back into an upstairs role. Um, just as an aside, I've just uh, quickly flicked up the La Liga table. Mm. Barcelona mm. are ninth. Yeah. With 14 points, at 12 points behind Atletico Madrid, who are top. Um, Atletico Madrid are on 26 points from 10 games, with two games in hand on second place Real Sociedad, um, who are only a point behind them at the moment. But obviously, if they win the two games in hand, and you're seven points clear, is looking like it could be on for another Atletico Madrid title season this year. Yeah, yeah. I, you wonder, you wonder why Diego Simeone didn't come to the Premier League. It's because he got what he wants. He got gets whatever he wants at Atletico. It's not the unlimited budget you get in Madrid, but he gets to run everything the way he wants to. I don't think Solskjaer has anything like that level of control at United. I don't think Solskjaer has any control at all. Period. I think uh, Solskjaer, as Andy was saying before, does what he's told to do, and that's it. Um, anyway, we'll move on. To the rest of the Champions League, uh, the final group games in the Champions League were played this week, with Liverpool, Manchester City, and Chelsea all progressing to the knockout rounds. Uh, City won in dominant fashion against Marseille to seal their group, while Liverpool and Chelsea both drew against lesser opponents in Midland and Krasnodar, respectfully, respectively. Sorry. Elsewhere, Barcelona lost to Juventus at the Camp Nou. Both teams will still go through from that group with the Juventus on top. Real Madrid still found a way to top their group despite some earlier setbacks with a 2-0 win over Borussia Mönchengladbach, who also go through to the knockout stages. Dortmund topped their group, while Atletico Madrid and Bayern Munich both progressed from Group A with Bayern coming out as eventual group winners. Luke, simple question. Who's the favourite to win the UEFA Champions League? Top one. Top one. I don't know, actually. I don't know. Um, 
I, th- I think there's a lot of really, really good teams there. Um, and I'm not sure I could pick one of them. Uh, I, I don't know, actually. Uh, can I think about it and come back to you? Because I've got a couple that I can't <laughs> decide. I can't decide. Of course you can. Steve, where do you come down on that, mate? Do any of the English teams stand a chance? No. No, the, the problem for the English teams... Um, <laughs> the problem for the English teams is... Uh, is in, in Chelsea's case, it's a lack of uh, you know ability to defend. In Liverpool's case, it's a case of... I think, to be honest, um, Klopp is more concerned this season with retaining the title than he is with winning the Champions League. Um United are gone. City are inconsistent. Yeah, so not, none of them for me are going to contend. I think of the of the four, Chelsea will probably get the furthest. They'll probably get, to, I'd say, to the semi-finals if if they have a good day. Um, but beyond that, none of them are making the final. None of them are winning this. Um, Bayern Munich won the Champions League for me. Um, they've got the most quality throughout the team. They're the most organised, and the, most importantly, they're the most disciplined of the teams. Um, for me, that's the reason they'll go ahead and win it this year. See, here's the thing. I think you could pick any one of six teams, actually, maybe even seven. Uh, out of this, out, out of the teams that are left, you, you could easily pick six or seven of them. Munich are a good shout. City are always going to be there or thereabouts because they're a good team. Liverpool, you can never rule them out. PSG have got class all about them. Juve at Real Madrid. Even Chelsea could do it. You know, so this is why I'm struggling. Seriously, though, because if you think about it, it is, although it's going to be two-legged, it is the, the luck of the cup. And yeah, Munich are, the, are probably the favourites, but could you could you actually call it that closely? I can't. I can't. Yeah. I think there's at least six teams in it. And I think Andy, each is a pretty good chance of it. Yeah, I would agree. Andy, do you think people are perhaps maybe sleeping on Manchester City a little bit? Um just as Steve was just mentioning there. Manchester City topped their group, albeit not the hardest group in the world, um, with five wins and a draw, 13 goals for, one goal against. They haven't struggled at all in the Champions League uh, so far. Their form in the Premier League seems to be coming back around, um, and I I would say they're about three or four games away from fully entering the title race again. Um, Manchester City are slowly going about their business and slowly turning their fortunes around. And in the Champions League, they've been pretty impressive all season long. Are people sleeping on them a little bit? 100%. I think City, we all forget off the Champions League, the, the, it resumes in about two, three months. February time, isn't it, normally mm-hmm. resumes. And that's, mm-hmm. Anything can change in two months in terms of form, yeah. uh, good or bad. And I do think City will be the best of the English teams. I do, I do think PSG are going to win it. But I do think Man City... For me, um, I think a team doesn't have to be the best team to win a cup competition. I think you've seen, I mean, I'm sure Luke knows when Chelsea won it in 2012, they weren't the best mm. team at all in that competition. And even win. as in no, 2005, neither team are really at their best. But I think it's just about uh, being good that season in the, in, the, in the competition. And I don't think necessarily is about being the best team. And often the best team doesn't win, if you exclude the Barcelona days. Um, so I, I think yes, the city absolutely being stepped on. I do think that is their ultimate goal. I, I think it's probably no secret that they, they do want that more than any other trophy. And that's probably why they've been maybe not as good in the league because they're focusing more on the midweek Champions League games than they are mm. maybe on, on the weekend Premier League games. So I do think uh, I do think they're definitely being stepped on. I do think they are uh, England's best chance of seeing uh, someone from, from England winning their winning the Champions League. And I do think, I, I, I love to say us, I love to say us, but I think 
I think Kieran was right. I think you're right, Kieran. I think we are focusing more on the Premier League, which is, which is what I probably myself and other fans probably also want to the Premier League over Champions League. So I do think uh, we will get to like the quarters, but I don't think we'll go to the final or anything like that. So I do think City are the best chance of the English teams, but I do think, um, I, and I do think they are being stepped on. Luke, what do you make of Manchester City? Do you know what? I, I think Andy makes a good point. I mean, the, City are a great, they've got a really good squad. Um, at the moment, we, we've talked about their, their weaknesses, uh, you know, probably over a few podcasts, but they've, they've got arguably the best coach in the world and they've got a great squad. Uh, there's no reason why they can't do it. They're, on their day, they're a great, great team and, and they're the equal of any of the other teams in, in remaining in this competition. So I, I certainly wouldn't rule them out. And if I was if I was a betting man, I certainly would be putting a tenner on them because I think they're a good shout to, to be there or thereabouts. Yeah, I mean... I'll come back to the question about favourites to win, Luke. Have you <laughs> decided on one or is it just maybe a little bit too hard of a question to answer? Do you know what? I he, Here's my gut feel uh, and then I'll tell you my heart. So my, my heart wants Chelsea to win, but my gut feel says Bayern, Bayern or City. And I think uh, the only reason I'm not seeing Liverpool is because of the defensive issues. I think if I think if uh, Van Dijk was still there and Gomez was still there, I'd be including Liverpool in that conversation. So that that's kind of what my my head is saying, and my heart hopes for Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, I mean you've got to hope for Chelsea, haven't you? But um, come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, um, moving the moving the conversation to Liverpool a bit. They played uh, Midland last night, drew one one, but there's been plenty of debate over the last twenty four hours about whether or not the decision to start Mohamed Salah was the right one from Jurgen Klopp, given that Liverpool are already through. Um, given that Jurgen Klopp was a man who was regularly this season spent a lot of time ripping into broadcasters for um, basically blaming them for the reason why his players are getting injured. Why is he starting his key players in games that don't matter? I've absolutely no idea. Um, I asked uh, someone the other day, I said, what? exactly what you said. I said, well, why is he going out one side saying, oh, we need to have, you know, more, we need to be able to use more subs. We need to be able to, like, you know, play less games. Uh, and then when he gets, you know, a game which is, is truly meaningless, this is, and he doesn't start his, his you know, his reserves. He, he, the thing that puzzled me was this. Um, as a fan, obviously, yeah, I, I personally feel both Luke and, and Andy would have felt a little bit cheated watching a game and seeing, you know, uh, a whole pile of reserves playing. Um, and maybe that's partly influenced Klopp's thinking. He doesn't want to like shortchange the fans by saying, actually, you know, you can't you can't have a you know a Salah, Firmino, Yota, any of those, um, because I want to keep them fresh. Um, but you can't you can't do what he's doing. You can't publicly slate there being too many games and then not fully rotate your team when you have the option to do so. Um, he has got, I mean, he had, he's, I think, I'm trying to remember his lineup. He had Fabinho playing, who's just, you know, back from injury. Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's just back from injury. He had Salah, who's obviously his star man up front. Didn't rest him. He played Yota, who I think has played three, four of the last five games. You know, he's becoming a regular. He's played so many players there that... Um, you know, you could have you would have been better off playing someone like a Harry Wilson or, or just someone or not Harry Wilson, Harvey Elliott. Um and, and just playing younger players to give them European experience. 
Yeah, um, I think Harvey Elliott's on loan at Blackburn, but I, he won the oh, But the but the point still stands, doesn't it? Um, I mean, there are players who could have played in that position. I mean, Curtis Curtis Jones started the game on the bench. Um, yeah, that makes no sense. You know, he's really. They did start a lot of a lot of youth. Um, like Clarkson, I don't even know who that is. Costa Simicas played. Williams played. Um, Takumi Minamino played and obviously but the Diogo Jota and Mo Salah on the wings they didn't really need to be in that team I don't think Andy, no, I, I completely agree yeah yeah Andy you're our resident scout summit um, where do you come down on this argument I completely agree with you guys I think I was when I saw the lineup, I saw Salah was starting and Fabinho and Trey, I was I was very confused because um, obviously we, we've already through group winners so there's no no chance of finishing second. I get it. Maybe he wanted to have like a keep the keep winning mentality. Yet maybe he wanted to do that. I don't know, but it does make an awful lot of confusion when he was sort of having go at the fixtures. And also, there's players on the bench we had like someone like Jake Kane and and Nico Williams and this guy called Jaros. I think all those players could have played. I mean, you played a lot of youngsters, but I do think maybe he should have kept. I mean, having Fent, Trent, Fabinho, and Firmino and Jota and Salah all playing, and then bringing on Mane as well late on. I, I, I was a bit confused by that as well. Yeah, absolutely fair enough. Um, Luke, moving on to Chelsea. Um, obviously, your guys had pretty much already sealed that, uh, sealed their progression. Mm. But despite that, did drop points to Cuban Krasnodar. Um, yeah, they did still finish the uh, the group stage unbeaten. And are doing pretty well in the league. Do you think Frank Lampard is getting enough praise for the job that Chelsea are doing this season? Uh, honestly, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm, I'm quite happy. I mean, obviously, we had our bumps at the start of the season. But what, what you're starting to see is an awful lot more consistency from this Chelsea team. And, and particularly defensively. We've talked a little bit about the, the defensive side before. But actually, you're starting to see an awful lot more defensive cohesion. Um, a lot more consistency in terms of you know the, the performances. Okay, Werner's not scoring goals, but you know what? We're getting goals from everywhere else. So he'll go through his spell and he'll probably end up banging in the goals left, right and centre anyway. So I don't think I've got any complaints and I certainly don't think that he's, he, he is um, getting enough credit for what he's doing because you can see the signs of progress. I, I think it's clear for me. As a Chelsea fan, I certainly couldn't be happier with how we're progressing. Yeah, Steve, would you would you agree with that? I know you said you told me that you had quite a bit of criticism for Chelsea today. Yeah, it, it was more to do with the fact that, you know, I felt that, uh, that Lampard could have put a much stronger side. But this goes back to what I said about Liverpool. Yeah, he could have. Yeah, he could have. The thing is, I, as a fan, I mean, now that you've got fans back in the stadium, I, I think, and I'm just you know speaking as I was a fan of Chelsea, I want to see the best 11 players in the field for every game, right? I wouldn't want to see them all completely rotated. But what I will say is, I'm looking at the Chelsea starting lineup against the Liverpool starting lineup, right? And I'm seeing that Jorginho plays, Kovacic plays, Kai Havertz plays, Abraham plays. The back four has Rudiger, Christensen, Azpilicueta and Emerson. Now, that team, uh, and Billy Gilmore is in the middle, midfield as well, I think with the exception of Faustino and Jorin, I think that could probably be a team that starts in the Premier League. And this actually goes to show how much depth is in that Chelsea squad mm, yeah. uh, with the way that, uh, that Lampard went out and went did a bit of his business in the, the, Premier, the transfer market in the summer. Um, Chelsea probably have the best depth of any team in the Premier League. Uh, and it shows that you, know, you can play a European game and play what should be a reserve side 
And actually, almost every player in that team could be a starter. So, mm. you know, I'll mitigate my, my criticism of Chelsea playing this team on a basis that, actually, that, that's pretty good. And looking at who he brought on, you know, he brought on Kante, Werner and Giroud. Um, he didn't kind of go out there and say, you know what, we're already through. Uh, you know, we're, it's a 1-1 game. We'll just take the point. He said, I want to win this. I want, it's a meaningless game, but I still want to win this. I'll bring on three of my best players. Mm. Yeah, Andy? Um, you make that point then, that what he's done then is the exact same thing Klopp should have done. And I don't think, you were saying before that Klopp shouldn't have played his first team. Then you were saying Chelsea should have played their first team. So I think, um, I think Lampard went about it the complete right, right way. The game is meaningless. I think it gives a chance for the, for the, for the, for the youngsters and fringe players to get a game. So I do think he was right in doing that because he, he what he did there was, was exactly what Klopp should have done. So I do think I do think he was right to do that. Mm. And a nice little goal for uh, former Magpie Remy Kabir as well for Krasnodar. Luke, what did you think of goalkeeping of uh, the goalkeeping performance from one Kepa Arisa Malaga? Well uh, do you know what it, it it is what it is. He actually did okay. And, and yep. he, he is a young goalie, you know, he, he, this is the thing that you keep forgetting about young goalies, they, they don't tend to peak until they're a lot older, he's, he's still quite young in goalkeeping terms, and he's got a lot to learn, and um, you know, I, I actually don't think it's a bad idea to, to, to play him in these games, and give him some experience, and then eventually, he, he, will, he, you know, he may well progress, or they may sell him, I don't know, I mean, I, I don't know whether, I, I suspect Lampard doesn't fancy him, so I think it's probably the latter. Um, but yeah. you never know. I mean, you give play players time that they can mature. Throwing them in at the deep end doesn't always work. Uh, so yeah, let, let's see what happens. But he, he did okay, you know. It's, it's kind of important to remember as well about um, one David de Gea, who didn't exactly start his time in Manchester. <laughs> yeah, uh, I believe de Gea was a vampire when he arrived, wasn't he? He was scared of crosses. Yeah, that's the he one. Was. <laughs> <laughs> Saved absolutely everything with his feet as well. Going to the top corner and for some reason trying to do a flying kick to get it out. Um, yeah, so it's an interesting one. So I'll go around just to sum this up, just to end this debate. Um, one word answer. Luke, who's going to win the Champions League? City. City. Steve. Bayern. Andy. PSG. Oh, interesting. There you three, go. Three different teams. Oh, nice one. I'm also going to throw Atletico Madrid into the mix. Right. We're going to move on. We're going to do something that we wouldn't normally do today, actually, and we're going to dip into the championship. Um, North City won again last night to continue their run at the top of the table. Uh-huh. Uh, currently, the three sides relegated from the Premier League last season occupy the top three spots in the second division. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Swansea City, Redden and Bristol City make up the playoff places. Uh, down at the bottom of the league, Sheffield Wednesday currently said bottom of the league, um, having started the season on negative points. New boys Wickham sit one position above them, while Wayne Rooney's Derby County are in the third and final relegation place, despite having remained unbeaten in the last four matches under their interim boss. Steve? Do you think Wayne Rooney will be awarded the Derby County job on a permanent basis, given, well, after how the team has performed in the six games or so that he's overseen? No. And I'll be honest, I, I, there was a lot of debate about this when, uh, when they, they brought him in. Um, I think Rooney and the coaching staff are there, are there to kind of hold the fort together. Uh, and I think Rooney, he's, he's not been promised anything. 
Um, I think he's been told, you know, you come in, you do your best. Right? And Derby look at it and say, well, you know, we had Lampard down here. Lampard played for a year. And Lampard was a legendary, you know, England uh, international and, and had respect from all the players. And he was able to, mm-hmm. you know, turn this team into a contender. But um, Rooney's not that kind of person. Rooney's way more of a kind of petulant child who just happened to be given, you know, natural ability in football. I mean, if you remember his early days at United, I don't think he ever particularly matured from that. Uh, and when they gave him the job as a manager, I, I could barely contain my laughter. Um, he might, you might look at it and say, oh, it's Wayne Rooney. He scored all those goals for England and all those goals for United. And he's like an amazing, you know, iconic player. I'm like, yeah, but as a human being, as a manager, as the kind of person who will inspire you through their, their technical knowledge, he's not that person. Uh, and I think uh, he will actually very possibly take Derby out of the bottom three. I mean, it's, I think it might be a little bit harsh to say that he's never really matured from um, the young kid he was when he first signed for Manchester United. Um, I would say that actually since his time, since he went over to the MLS and he's come back, I think he's, we've seen a very different and much changed Wayne Rooney. Would you agree, Luke? Uh, I, no. <laughs> um, he went out there and again, he went out there and it was the whole, here's this, this great international, you know, iconic player in Wayne Rooney. And yeah, he has, he, he did show some flashes of brilliance out there, but, you know, and, and the quality of opposition he had. Um, it was a good league. Less... It's not as good a league. Yeah, it's not as good a league. It's, it's a good league. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to criticise it. Obviously, my brother is, is the, you know, director of scout for Columbus Crew, so I can't, I can't <laughs> not mention that. Talking, and, uh, go, but we're not talking about and... the quality of his performances, the quality of the man, the, the quality of the player. We're talking about Wayne Rooney, the man, and Wayne Rooney's persona, as it were. So the quality you know, of the league doesn't matter, does it? I've seen interviews with him, and he still he doesn't strike me as someone who's going to grow into that that role. He doesn't strike me. We we've had the debate many times before about great players do not necessarily make great managers, uh, yes. and I think Rooney's one of those that that falls into that category. I mean, he was in Dar he had Derby purely because of a marketing deal with Thirty Two Red. Um, he wasn't in there because you know for any other reason than they offered him a truckload of money to come back. Um, and that does tell you a lot about the player uh, that after he met, left United his sole goal was to make as much money as possible before he retires um, I think if if he was going to be manager and it, you know Derby is probably too high a job for him he needs to learn the groundwork um, he needed to start lower down the divisions um, Lampard was a different case Lampard was already I mean Lampard was taking his badges as well because he was still training uh, well, he was still playing for Chelsea, um, mm-hmm. whereas Rooney was just out enjoying the high yeah. life in, uh, in D- is it DC or LA, wherever else he was playing. Yeah. Um, and for me, that again, that goes to show the character of the person. And you need you need a tremendous level of maturity uh, and ability to distance yourself from the players uh, to be a manager. And Rooney just doesn't have that. Rooney's still one of the boys. Luke, is this natural Scottish bias towards an English superstar? Oh. <laughs> Objection, Your Honour, leading the witness. <laughs> Overruled. Answer the question. Yeah. Okay, as, as ever, um, the sense does that start with Steve, you're being a bit harsh. Like, <laughs> when, when am I not harsh? I Very rarely. But I can't help but think that Steve's being a bit harsh here. <laughs> I, I think he might be. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, you know what? I, I think the jury is out on, on Wayne Rooney. Every time I've seen him play for Derby, I, I sort of just... <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is that it kind of reminds me when I play football, I started off up the top and then I couldn't run anymore, so I ended up going further and further back until eventually I played goalkeeper. And I kind of <laughs> think that's the way Wayne Rooney's Rune, going, except he's gone to the bench now. So he's sort of realised that he couldn't actually play centre-half or goalie and he's just decided to become a manager. Um, I, honestly, I, I think... I don't, I don't know what's going on with Derby, but I don't think it's good, and I don't know where he. I don't think he'll be much as a manager if he if he gets the chance. Yeah. Has he actually been confirmed as a manager? Is he no, no, he's just interim manager at the moment. Yeah, he probably will be made the manager purely on the basis of his reputation, but I don't expect him to do much. You know, they're they're not a good team, and and you know that's just the way it is. I would suggest that um, over the last few years, we've seen we have seen Wayne Rooney mature, like on the field especially. He's you often yeah. see him as a, a little bit more of a leader, telling people what to do. And I would say that his time in MLS, um, playing with uh, a lot lesser players, wherein he's the superstar, wherein he's the man that everyone looks up to, um, has maybe sort of brought that side out of him a little mm. bit. Um, would you go along with that, Andy? Yeah, I'd say that. I do think. Uh... As we saw when they hired Frank Lampard, they're not afraid to hire an ex-player as a manager. And I do think it all depends on the results, I think. But I think if he can get a good set of results together, if he does well in his interim spell, I think they will hire him because they've been linked with John Terry as well. So I think they're sort of they're going down that trend, aren't they, at the moment of, sort of hiring uh, or ex-footballers. So I do think he will get the job if he gets the good results. Steve? I think when it comes to Rooney... Um, the person who you want to look back historically on and say this is a, a career path we'll probably see very similar is Paul Ince. If you remember that, so Ince you know, did the right thing. He started out in lower leagues. He came in with a big reputation as a big, you know, big-time manager, mm-hmm. even keen to a lesser degree. I said they both started out with clubs, smaller clubs, right? Built the reputation, then moved to someone slightly bigger, right, where they got absolutely found out. Um, and I think even if Derby do, do you know make kind of mid-table, uh, you know, security or possibly even push for the playoffs, uh, I don't think Rooney gets that job full time. Or if he does, I think what we see is one season where he put, he gets the job, he gets the, the players he wants in, uh, and he gets found out, and Derby just sack him. I don't think there's any aspirations of uh, attaining playoffs or anything like that this season. Um, I think at the moment they just take avoiding relegation. Um, given that the third from bottom. Just to run you through, since Wayne Rooney was given the job on a uh, on a temporary basis as interim manager, uh, Derby have lost 1-0 to Bristol City, then 3-0 to Middlesbrough, then they drew 1-1 with second bottom Wickham, um, and then we they turned things around a little, drawing 1-1 with Coventry, um, beating Millwall, drawing 0-0 with Brentford, who are quite a decent side, um, and then this weekend, they play host to Stoke City. Um, so the results haven't been awful, but they're not winning very much. Um, so maybe they could do with just a complete bit of fresh impetus. Anyway, moving on. Andy, Norwich City sit atop the table. and They do look likely to bounce straight back this season. Uh, how important is it, do you think, that they keep hold of some of their top players, such as Max Ahrens and Emiliano Buendia, in the January transfer window? I think it's essential but I fear that they won't. I think they were linked with moves away in the summer. So I do think, for me, that um, I think they, they could keep them because they could say that the fact that their appeal of going to the Premier League, if they get promoted, may keep them there for an extra six 
months or even longer. Uh, so I do think it is crucial that they, they do they do keep them. But I I I'm struggling. I, I think they may. I fear they may lose them in January. Luke, um, with it being the January transfer window um, and it being halfway yes. through the season, are Norwich able to maybe just price those guys out of a move entirely? I would say so. I mean, I think um, it's obviously the biggest danger for them, right, is is the fact that, uh, you know, kind of no matter what happens, there's always going to be a bit of a, um, a bit of a temptation for those guys to move on, especially if they can see the big salaries and stuff. So, yeah, they're, they're, they certainly, I think they could ask a lot of money for them and they probably would get them. And maybe that's the, you know, maybe that's the play that they make as they price them that high that actually it kind of makes sense to sell them. And, and they can use that as long as they get a chance to replace them in that window. That, that's the danger. They lose them and they can't replace them. But if they get good money and they can get someone reasonably priced, um, then, you know, well, then they should do it. Yeah, would you agree with that, Steve? Yeah, I think someone in the, the Norwich boardroom will crunch the numbers and they'll say to themselves, you know, if, if we sell this player, right, uh, you know, how much do we get from him? How much do we have to pay to replace him? Because you've got to try and replace him with someone who you think is of equal quality, uh-huh. but pay less money for him. And then they have to price it to say, it does losing him affect our chances of, of winning this division and going straight back up? Because obviously yeah. the difference between uh, in cash between being the championship, being in Premier League is phenomenal. You know, certainly. Our, they're, I mean, they're, they're two quality players. It's a good squad they've got. Um, but if they went up, they'll have to spend money to stay up. Um, and I, I don't know whether or not they want to kind of sell players now um, and, and gamble that they, they won't go up. Uh, I think, I, I thought with Mike Charles, I thought there was a deal already agreed pre-season that, uh, that fell apart for him to go uh, go to the team of Premier League. Um, what's that, was it not Newcastle? No. Was there not a deal agreed in principle and then it kind of fell apart? No, we signed Jamal Lewis, the other fullback. Ah, oh, the other fullback. All right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, are are Aaron's and Wendia um, the kind of players who are irreplaceable at that level? You know, because the Premier League quality players, we've seen that from the, the season up here. Um, so my answer to that, unfortunately, would be yes. And if that's the case, I don't think Norwich take the gamble. I think the players' agents mm-hmm. come to them and say, you know, you can leave at the end of the season but you need to stay here throughout January. Um, and I don't think either of them has shown publicly any kind of signs of being the kind of players that will cause problems in the dressing room mm. if they're told, you know, if they're given it straight and they're given plenty of notes to say, you, you can go in, in, in June, no problem at all. But right now, you need to stay for the rest of the year. Andy, do you think it's a little bit bizarre that Max Ahrens is even still a Norwich City player given how excellent he was and last season and how we were linking him to moves to the likes of Tottenham Hotspur and even Borussia Dortmund at one point. Yeah, I, I was very surprised. I mean, the same for Cantwell as well. And I do think I was very surprised. Cause I remember we were, talk, we were talking about in the podcast in the previous one about which players we thought was going to stay at the teams that went down, which players were going to go. And we all thought, thought that the two fullbacks would leave. Uh, and mm. obviously... Aaron's hasn't hasn't left, and I'm very surprised at that because I think he was he even linked with Barcelona at one point. I've got he, a was. He, he was, yeah, yeah. So I think obviously he's got a lot of um, sort of admirers out there. So I, I am still surprised he's still there, which may mean he may move in January, but he may want to stay. He may want to get better before making a big. Maybe he wants to sort mm-hmm. of get better and then and not and not sort of move too young too early. 
Luke, what's the going rate for a player like Max Irons right now? You probably wouldn't get a change out of 35 mil. I think you'd be asking for quite a bit more than that. And maybe even more, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's playing the championship, so that's why I brought the value down a bit. But yeah, 35, 40 mil, easy. I think we paid I think. Uh, we paid around about 13, 14 for uh, Jamal Lewis, um, which uh-huh. was seen as something of a coup because they initially wanted 20 for him yeah. from Liverpool, which is why Liverpool yeah. left the table. Yeah. Um, Max yeah. Aarons is seen as quite a little bit high, quite a bit more of a prospect. Um, so, uh-huh. Steve, could you see him going for around about 50 million, a, a Kyle Walker type fee? No, and I, I think you're both kind of way overvaluing him. There's a couple of things that will keep Max Allen's price down. Uh, one is the fact that we are still in a, a situation whereby the, uh, you know, the, the market is still quite depressed after COVID, right? I don't think we'll see the 60, 70, 80 million pound uh, transfers this summer, not until we start getting fan revenue back inside stadiums and, and teams can afford to. Um, but I think the second thing is, you've got to look at the trajectory of some younger players who've come to the Premier League um, I mean, a great example of this was a few years ago Stefan Sessignon uh, Ryan Sessignon sorry when he went to uh, Spurs from Fulham and they were all like oh he's been amazing in the, the uh, championship you know he's shown flashes of brilliance he says he'll come to the Premier League he'll be a big hit and has anyone heard of Ryan Sessignon this season or last season yeah but no, Max Aaron's was in the Premier League last season and he was a hit he, no, I, I don't see it. I just I think he, the, the value for young players from the championship um, coming up just isn't as, as much as you guys think. Uh, I, th- I mean, you look at the ones who came up this year. How much did Villa play for Ollie Watkins? You know, a guy that scored 22 goals in the championship last year. Like 30 million? Yeah. And if the strikers are going for 30 million, you know, why would the fullbacks be going for, for 50, 60? I don't see it. I, I see teams looking at the market and saying, yeah, we will pay. Well, what looks at the start, maybe 30, maybe 35, yeah. that push. But I do not see that going anywhere near a £50 million transfer. Fair enough. Mm. Andy, where do you think you, what, what kind of value do you think we'll be looking at for him? I'd say probably the, the 30, 35 million. It depends on, because I mean, if Jamalo is waiting for £14 million, uh, and I think he potentially is just, just as good as Max Aaron's. I think maybe Norwich will matter too much. So maybe someone can get him cheaper than that. But I do think. Uh, if you look at sort of why, what I think is a fair price for him, I would say sort of 30 to 35 million. Do you think the English player tax will play? That's that we've always, that's been oh. so so talked about, will play a part in that? Yeah, I, I, th- I think absolutely. And I think um, if Harry Maguire was, was French, he wouldn't be worth 80 million. And uh, Andy Carr wouldn't be worth 35 if he was English. And I think, I think yeah, the English tax definitely has, it is a thing. I do think that will that will play a part with um with Max Aaron's as well as people like Jack Grealish when he when he when he eventually moves and th- people like that. Andy Carroll is definitely worth thirty five quid, not million. Steve, I'll meet you all. <laughs> oh, he's terrible, isn't he? He's going to hurt you. He's going to hurt you. I am. But I will not. Ha- I will not stand. Blasphemy, blasphemy of the Geordie Jesus. All right, six months wonder. The Geordie Jesus. I know he hasn't scored since he's came back, but Geordie Jesus. No six blasphemy. Months wonder. 
to be fair, I'm still absolutely. It's been nine years, and I'm still in all that you guys paid that much money for him. So, oh, it's ridiculous! It's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Oh, what a waste of that Torres money! <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> Luke. Um, as I said before, it, the current top three in the championship uh, are the three teams that went down from the Premier League last season. Yes. Um, yes. It's, it's something of a rare occurrence to see that kind of thing. Normally, at least one of the teams mm. doesn't mm. do particularly well. Yeah. Yeah. How much of a chance do you think there is that we could actually see all three of them bounce straight back up? They're all good teams. I think I think there's every chance. They're, they're all good, well-run teams. Um, in terms of the clubs as well, they're, they're really well-run. So, uh, you know, I've actually, you know, I think that uh, Norwich were, I predicted before the start of the season, I thought Norwich would win the championship. And and, it, and I think they're probably the best run out of a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you could see all three going up, no problem. Yeah, for sure. Steve? Um, yeah, I can't see any reason why. I mean, kind of looking at the table, it's Norwich are consistent. Um, they have that ability to grind out, you know, the one goal win here and there, which is what you need in the championship. Um, they have, like you say, quality in the likes of Aarons and Buendia. Um, there's nothing to stop Norwich coming up. And it's looking at the teams around them to see whether or not any of those teams, are teams I'd say, you know what, they, they on the day could beat Norwich. Um, Norwich have only lost three out of 17 games. And, and that's the consistent thing. But below them, Bournemouth have only lost twice, um, but Bournemouth are turning into draw specialists, and this is what kills you in a championship promotion race. Uh, Norwich are grinding out those wins, and Bournemouth and Watford and Swansea behind them, they're dropping points, they're picking up draws here and there, uh, and I think that's what's going to see Norwich win the title. Andy, uh, Brentford down in seventh, they've only lost three times as well, but um, they've drawn quite a few games, they've drawn seven games, um, which is the same amount as Bournemouth actually. Can you see a scenario where they could come and spoil this party? No, to be honest, no. Not now they've lost Ben Rama and Ollie Watkins. I can't see that happening. Um, a team I think could be a shout is Stoke City. I think they're only the same point as Brentford. They're only about yeah. uh, two or three points off off the top two, Bournemouth and Norwich. I think Norwich and Bournemouth, I think, will go up. I'm not convinced on Watford yet. I think they might miss out in in the play, in the playoffs or maybe they'll won't get top six at all. Uh, a team I think we should look out for is a team who's got a championship specialist as their manager, and that's Middlesbrough with Neil Warnock. They're only in 11th place. They've got 24 points. They're only about six points off, off top two. And I do think that is the key. I think if you've got a manager who's got experience for years and years of teams who uh, have of te- of many times getting teams promoted or doing well in the championship, I think they, for me, should be a team to watch out for. Because I do think... Uh, they got every chance. There's plenty of games left for them to turn things around and, and get that promotion push started. Yeah, I mean, it's all very, very tight as it normally is in the mm. Championship. I mean, you're looking at Bournemouth in second on 31 points and you've got to go like all the way down to 12th to find anyone, well, to 13th to find anyone more than seven points below that total. Um, so it's all very tight and I think you could honestly see anyone coming up at this point, to be honest. Uh, Steve? Yeah, just the final point on what Andy was saying there about having Warnock in. Uh, Middlesbrough's big problem all season is goals. Um, they, they just cannot, they, they don't have the firepower that some of the teams above them do to get them out of, that, out of this division. Uh, and they got absolutely thumped last night by Preston. Now, Preston are one of those teams that, well, one of my favourite sayings is in the Championship, on their day, any team can take can, can take points off any other team. There's, no, there's never been a, a year where the Championship has been so completely one-sided where one team just trounces everybody um, and last night you know, get, getting beaten by Preston who you know, are, are a 
an interesting team. Um, they've, they've got a couple of, uh, of former players from the, the Scottish Premier League, uh, Scott Sinclair's kicking about in there, scored last night. Uh, if Middlesbrough can't do things like go at Preston on a Wednesday night and pick up a draw, um, then Middlesbrough aren't contenders for me. Luke, would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I totally agree with that. I think that it's, um, it's one of those ones that you know, there's not much you can say about it apart from really what Steve says. They're, they're not good enough. Just the way it is. Andy, um, one thing I will say: they haven't scored many goals, but they also have only let in 14, which is actually one of the fewest in the league. And if you look back at Cardiff when they went up with Morlock a few years ago, they were often mm. winning one nils. They were one of the worst teams in the league for actual. For goals, I think I'm looking at the table now for when they got promoted. They scored 69 goals, which is less goals than teams who finished third, fourth, uh, teams who finished sixth, uh, even even teams like who finished ninth and tenth. So I do think uh, Warnock isn't known for getting goals. With teams, he's known for these like sort of gritty wins, these one nil wins. I do think that can be quite crucial in, in, in when it comes to trying to get promoted. So I do think. Um, I do think I think I think I remember I watched a Cardiff game towards the end of that season when he went up. And I think they were they were going for all the stats of like um, all these different stats like attacking stats, and they were like twenty second, twenty third in those stats amongst the league. But they were number one for like headed goals or something like that. So they they play a certain time of football in the Warnock. I do think that might be crucial come come April March time. Yeah, I, I think the team that's going to play in that Warnock style that has a chance of going up is more Swansea than, than Middlesbrough. I mean, you talk about that Cardiff team went up with like 69 goals. If uh, if Middlesbrough play to their current um, level of goal scoring, which is currently less than one goal a game, they would have to go up with having scored 46 goals. Um, that's, that's not going to get you up in any league at any time. Uh, you know, Swansea. You know, Swansea at least have slightly above one point. I think they're like one point zero five goals a game. But again, Swansea have a better defensive record than Middlesbrough. Mm. You know, Ten they goals. have the best defensive record in the league, uh, and that's what you need. You, you need to be tight at the back. But if you're going to play games like Preston away on Wednesday night, you need to take. A, you need to get a nil nil. You need to get a one nil win there, which Warnock has not got the quality up front to do. Don't get me wrong, he organises his teams brilliantly. They'll never concede a lot of goals. They'll always be down towards the bottom in terms of goals conceded, but he needs better players up front. Yeah, Steve Cooper's doing a very good job with Swansea City, I have to say. Um, all right, final question. I'll, I'll pose it to all three of you. And it's basically just out of the 24 teams in the Championship, which of them would you actually like to see? Not who will you think, but who would you like to see um, come up to the Premier League this season? Luke? Oh well, I'd love to see Bournemouth back up. I just, I just like Bournemouth, uh, uh, you know, outside of those ones. But uh, who else would I like to see? See, the thing is, and you're going to hate me for this, uh, Kieran, but actually, because my mate Johnny's a massive Borough fan, and because I like Janino, I, I actually had a bit of a soft spot for Borough. Ah, uh, it's don't, fine. Don't hate me. Don't hate me. I know. I know Newcastle fans don't hate them as much as certain yeah. other clubs. It, um, it's it's fine. But, uh, they they hate us, but we don't really care about them, to be honest. <laughs> so, Just a so small club in Yorkshire. <laughs> I know that they, I think they call it North Yorkshire, don't they? <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd have liked to see Borough come up actually, because I I do quite like them. You know, I've got like I say, I've got a soft spot because my old mate Johnny. If you're listening, big respect to you, buddy. Um, but yeah, yeah, they they've been my pick of the clubs that I'd like to see come up. Johnny, <laughs> your club is terrible. 
Uh, Steve, he's, he's crying. By the way, yeah, I'm kind of torn here. Uh, I'm, look, I'm looking at the the contenders for this, and I'm thinking, oh, these, these are all teams that, yeah, they'd come up and they'd be kind of interesting to watch, but none of them are teams I actually want to see in the Premier League. There are two teams in the Championship I want to see. Uh, one of them is Forest. My mate Davey's a massive Forest fan, and he's been wanting Forest to come back up for a long, long time. And obviously, they are the team for me in that division with all the history. But the Fight team that I want to see come up. The one I want to see Wickham Wanderers get promoted because I want to see Akin Fenwa in the Premier League. <laughs> Who here doesn't want to see Akin Fenwa in the Premier League? Me. I mean, this no. man. This man is thirty-eight years old. Yes. What, what what a story that would be from the the greatest FIFA player of all time to the you know to thirty-nine-year-old <laughs> Premier League striker. Who doesn't want to see that? Uh, I, I mean, you can't. I can't argue. I'd love to see that, but at the moment they're twenty third, um, so it doesn't feel, it doesn't seem very likely. <laughs> um, Andy, who you got a soft spot for in the championship? Well, uh, as a Welshman, I think it's probably an obvious one. I want the Welsh teams to go up. I always do, um, particularly Swansea, more than Cardiff. I'd say, even though I was born in Cardiff, um, but I think uh, the team I think does, should go up, and I think. The team the Premier League needs is Nottingham Forest. I think they should be a bit like they're a bit like Leeds for me. They should be in the top flight. I mean, the amount of history they got at the club. I think I'd love to see them go up, but I think that the way the table's going, uh, I can't see it happening. Although they got Chris Hewson in charge, so I think they've got a good a good man for the job. Um, yeah, I think for me, it is it is the Welsh clubs or Forest. Yeah, I mean, for me, I've got I've got a few Championship club supporting friends. Um, I've not that any of them listen to the podcast, mind. Uh, one of my friends supports Redden. They're currently sitting fifth. They could do a job. The other one supports Millwall. So um, I don't. I don't think anyone. I don't think there's much of an appetite for Millwall to come up. With. <laughs> I agree Definitely with you not. guys. I do agree with you guys in that Nottingham Forest are a team who I'd love to see in the Premier League. Same goes for Derby County. Both of them are actually fighting relegation, though, so it doesn't seem very likely. Of the teams who could come up this season, um, I'd like to see Bournemouth and Brentford come up. I'd very much like to see. I'm like Luke, I'm a big fan of Bournemouth. I really enjoyed having them in the Premier League. And I hope it's not the last we see of them. And I don't know, Brentford just seemed to have been so close for so long, so I think it's about time they got there. A little bit of a reward for that, and Ivan Tony's their new marksman, uh, a man that Newcastle let go maybe slightly too early. So, yeah, all the best of luck. Mm-hmm. But that is all we've got time for. Be sure to tune in again next week when we'll be looking back at another weekend of Premier League football. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you then. Bye.